Welcome, food enthusiasts, to this episode of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Miller, your interviewer today, and I am just really looking forward to this conversation we're about to have with Hugo Perez. He's the Vice President of Marketing for the United States and the UK for Zen B, which is a really cool brand, and we're going to find out about it and its parent company and all things marketing from Hugo today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, I'm really glad to have you here. And you have an interesting backstory as to how you've even ended up where you are. If you could catch our audience up a little bit about how ended up to be the VP of marketing here. Yeah. um, The simple start is I wanted to be a storyteller my entire life. Um, My mom would tell you that I came out of the womb telling stories. Um, And I've taken every opportunity. I, um, I started off as a journalist. I was a producer, a breaking news producer for NBC News. I got to cover a lot of the amazing stories that have shaped our country in, in recent years, um, and you know, in the last 20 years or so. But from there, I took a leap and I went over to the dark side, to the client side, where I came in-house and I worked at a variety of companies. And um, eventually that led me to a role working globally for Mars Incorporated. I like to think of it as my Willy Wonka years because my boss was Mr. Mars himself. And I got to experience a lot of the food world all over the country, all over the world. Um, and, you know, a couple of agencies in between until I got here to where I'm at at Zembi working on plant-based foods and opportunities with kinds of products. Yeah. And that certainly is a unique opportunity because Zembi, like you said, the plant-based products, but it's not a, you're, you're part of a much older history and that's a bit of your challenge. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So Zembi is a three-year-old startup division, more legacy written or uh, legacy laden company. Ms. Can has been around for over 200 years and has been in the food industry prepping products um, for all that time, for to over two centuries, um, based out of Japan. It's a family-owned company, used any kind of finishing oils or Asian-flavored oils or inspired oils. More than likely, there was some Ms. Can connection at some point. And about three years ago, three and a half years ago now, um, the company decided it was time to branch into a new direction um, as well, and they opened up this opportunity with plant-based foods. Yeah, so the the interesting part about that, trying to market this really startup division almost within this much older company is to figure out how to market while at the same time, you know, being kind of new and cutting edge, plant-based foods are very popular right now. And the trajectory is really good. I'm sure you know about that. How are you approaching? Well, what's exciting about working for a company that has so much legacy is that there's a lot of history to draw upon. So these aren't, this isn't a company that just started impact the palettes of um, just last week. They've been thinking about this for a long, long, long time. But when I came into this company, I realized it couldn't just be business as usual. I needed to dig a little deeper. And so we focus very heavily on the storytelling aspects and and really positioning um, the moments, the emotions, the feelings that people have with food as the forefront and letting our products and our history support those stories. Hugo, this is really, I think, flipping the, the system a little bit because normally product marketers, especially in the food space, it's all about the product, about the features of the product, the benefits of the product, why you want to buy the product, the pricing of the product. That's not what I'm hearing from you. Emotion, experience, story. So how are you doing that? How are you doing that? You know, interestingly enough, I was just at Expo West this past week um, in the midst of thousands of other natural foods and organic food products. And as I was walking down the aisles, I saw exactly what you just mentioned there. Everyone was focused on their benefit or the ingredient um, 
of their product. We have a fantastic product line, the value, the benefits, all that's great. But in order to be differentiated, in order to really stand out because we care and we believe so much in what we're bringing to the marketplace, as I saw it and I, I thought about the opportunity, what's missing is connecting people to how does this mean to your life? How, how are your moments changed when you have a great meal? How, how are those simple moments when you're sitting by yourself elevated when you taste something that's just delicious? And so being able to focus on the feeling, the emotion, the story behind the moments really allows me to bring in the product that everyone's going to say once they taste it, this is amazing. It's delicious. Yeah. And how do you, that's always the key thing. How do you get a consumer to take that first step? I mean, you're, you're a newer brand. You are part of an older co company, but honestly, it's not a company that a lot of us on as an end user hear about because it's a product that a lot of restaurants and chefs and the people that make the food use. So how are you getting my interest up to try it for the first time? Well, you said a couple of key things that are important for us to do that. You talked about restaurants and you talked about chefs. Today's consumer is really interested in these experiences that they have um, in different spots. Um, we're in a foodie culture. We're in a, a food world where people are thinking, what would that chef do? What would that other chef think of this food um, product? So part of what we've done is we've partnered with a variety of prominent chefs and we've created these dinner experiences where we're inviting tastemakers, not, not influencers, tastemakers, because they're coming from all walks of life, um, business and industry and healthcare. And, you know, of course, a couple of the traditional social influencers as well. And we're gathering them together um, and having a prominent chef create a menu with our foods and letting them just experience that. And then letting them go out and be frontline ambassadors telling others about what's going on. So that's really a unique approach. I haven't heard that before. Trying to front end that, that word of mouth advertising, essentially. Absolutely. Get people the buzz. Absolutely. And we feel that if we can get the buzz from people, um, these tastemakers that are prominent, that are the concentric circles of, of influence, then we have a lot better opportunity once people taste it to say, person such and such that I really trust and respect likes it. Well, tell me a little bit, can we, can we unpack about these dinners? This is a really unique concept, I think. How do you uh, find a chef, approach it, and how are you using your products? Like, like Take us through a little bit of that. It's, it's a little bit of a dating game, of course, because um, all of these notable chefs have, have busy lifestyles and careers and opportunities all thrown their way. Um, but it comes back to believing in our product. We know that our product is good enough. Uh, it's, let me rephrase that. We know that our product is great. So when it comes in the hands of these chefs that are so experienced in tasting products from all over, we know we're going to get there. So it's a bit of a dating game. We, we um, typically do a dinner every other month where you try to regionalize different parts of the country. And then we try to focus a menu based on either the seasonality or the location to bring that to life. So for example, in December, we were in Los Angeles and we wanted to um, explore Latin flavors. What would it be like to take our products, which right now our hero products are a pasta series and sauces. How do you take pasta and sauces and put those into the Latino vernacular? So we found a, a chef, we found a series of chefs and we talked to a bunch of different chefs. And as we 
we kind of did the little dating game. We kind of fell in love with one of the chefs that just really was passionate about exploring. And she was able then to give her a series of, of a bunch of our products to trial with. And over two weeks, she cooked at home and in her restaurant and her spaces. And, and once she was inspired, she came back to us and she says, yes, I think I can make something amazing happen. Fast forward about six weeks later, um, we are still hearing buzz from that dinner back in December. So that's here in the U.S. You do these different dinners. And have you done those? You're in other countries as well. Have you done those in other countries too? Our first UK dinner um, is coming to life in about two weeks. Um, and in Japan, where our headquarters is at, they're in the midst of crafting their own version as well. But it was an idea that started here with my team and our in our environment here, because it was something, you know, it was a, a forward space idea that's not the traditional way that you start off with a food marketing. No. And so I think you're showing the power of, of the versatility, just pasta and sauces, but Here's what that can expand into, depending on your different palate or flavor you want to have for your meal. We're going to give you a great base for that. And then you can expand. But you mentioned UK and Japan. So that's interesting from a global marketing perspective, because really you have areas and palates and different, you know, their normal food flavor differently. I Let's unpack that a little bit for the audience. It's been a very interesting journey to understand how flavor um, is adapted across cross-culture. When we um, here in the U.S. are prototyping a new flavor, a new product that we're working on, um, what's interesting to us is always starting off with what does the American palate like to do? In the American sensibility, typically our foods are a little sweeter, a little more fat-rich, a little more uh, wholesome in terms of fill your gut out. You know, these are things that are going to really make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Um, if you go over to the UK, they're a little bit less on the sweet. Um, they're a little more on the savory and there's more savory options. And they're a little bit more, they're not as fussy as we are in the US. So they're, they're caring about what's the quality of the ingredient. They're, they don't need a lot of add-ons and accoutrement in order to be excited. And then you get to the Japanese side and it's all about umami and it's it's all about the really flavorful salt bombs of power in your mouth. So you have that range of flavor profiles that you're dealing with, but at the heart of it is a core line of products that can take all those ranges and be adapted. So as a food marketer, my job is to our team and work with great colleagues in either of the other countries that can just come up with ways of showcasing these products as whatever your taste profile might happen to be. Freedom that you're giving the end user, interesting, focusing them down into this is what you do with our product. You're saying, here's our product and here's all the options that we have. I think that from a global perspective, uh, that's your challenge, which it sounds like you're meeting. You, you have this concept with the dinners and the flavors and all that, banding that across the country, the different countries, and then those people can experience your product as it would apply to their palate or region or whatever it might be they're trying to achieve. I think- And here's the thing, Pam, um, although we're using that approach to make sure that you can adapt it, truly really believe in a global food mentality. So I'm pulling in the Japanese flavors. I'm pulling in the British palate sensibilities. And then when I'm presenting at dinners, when I'm presenting um, to consumers through our marketing, I don't want them just to have an American palette. I want them to have a globalized palette. I want to introduce new ways of thinking of flavor 
because then that's when food really gets exciting. When you get to see all the range of things that you can do with one simple thing. And the power of collaboration. You know, when we talked before, you you spoke about collaboration, not in the big picture, like you were just speaking, but really with one group of people at a dinner and collaborating over that meal and, and how from your culture, I think Puerto Rican, you, that's very, very prominent in your culture. How does that, how you approach this food situation? Marketing? Yeah, you know, frankly, as a marketer, I put in a lot of my culture into my outlook in the world and how I approach my work. One of the things that we have in the Latino culture, very much in the Puerto Rican side of the Latino culture, is this idea of what we call sobre mesa time, which means over the table. And it's literally, if you go to a Latino household, the food preparation is important, not only because you're going to get a great meal, but because of the discussion that happens around the table as this is going on. A typical Latino meal might go two, three, four hours because we're just enjoying that interchange of ideas of, of opportunity. So I brought that into my dinners and our dinners are four courses and they're over two and a half, three hours. And I care that people are tasting my food, but in between I'm seeing these events and I'm driving conversation because I want them to talk about different topics and I want to stimulate their thinking on how they look at flavor, how they look at taste, how they look at texture, how they look at ingredients, how that all comes together. And by mixing the people at these tables, we have, you know, over here, we have the leader of a healthcare center. Over there, we have owner law firm. Over here, we have a tastemaker that writes about food. Over here, we have a journalist. All of a sudden, these minds are talking and collaborating. The outcome is amazing. Yes. And again, talking about the collaboration and, and just the, I'm hearing experience again. They're experiencing the food, the fellowship, the, the whole evening is an experience. Uh, speaking of which, you also have some other talents that you're putting to work. Bring, you know, the story of your company and uh, to light for others. And uh, I know that you have a heart for film and education that projects like. I don't know what, how you would categorize it, fortunate or unfortunate, but our world is becoming more and more um, short attention spanned. It's increasingly hard for anyone to tell a story in more than 30 seconds because people tend to get bored. And I'm trying to fight against that in many ways. Um, so one of the things that I brought into the mix here is I have a background in filmmaking. I've been a part of a couple of film companies and worked on short end projects like that. And I thought it would be a great idea to tell the longer form story of what it is that we do. So we're producing a series of documentaries about the work in our plant-based food areas. Hero um, at Zenby um, that we're really proud of is the yellow pea. When I say yellow, kind of have an inkling as to what it is, but not really. And so we were creating a series of documentaries that explains all the different facets of our business. We started off with the yellow pea and we did this exploration of 15 minute story on how the yellow pea comes to life and why it matters. We're doing a, a, a series right now. How is it that that yellow pea goes from that farm and ends up in your tabletop whenever you're hungry? And we have others that are coming down the line. But the idea is to kind of go counter to what everyone tends to be doing with these 30 second ads. And mind you, we're still doing those things as well. We're just trying to add something deeper and richer because when you're interested, when you have a connection, there might be an opportunity for you to become someone that doesn't just like our brand or love our brand, but become someone that's passionate about our brand and our way of thinking about food. You say the word documentary, you know, in the old form documentary was an hour or two hours, a movie length documentary, but you're talking 12 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, these snackable, I love the snackable word, yeah. snackable segments zoom easily, but they're getting a fuller story. Like you said, if they're interested 
they can dive a little bit deeper and find out about that. I, for one, am going to be watching these doc mini documentaries about the yellow pea because I had that reaction you described first when you talked about our hero product is the yellow pea. And I said, great, I don't really know anything about the yellow pea. <laughs> so we're trying to understand that people also, I get it that people are busy. So 15 minutes feels like a, not a lot of time, but even within that, we're creating those in little um, chapters, so to speak. So our 15 minute is cut into three pieces. So you can even digest a little bit at a time, but you're still getting a little more richness of the story. Find that when you can connect to the origins, to the background, to the understanding, you have a better appreciation for the product that you're buying because now you understand. I think all these concepts are really important as marketers think about how they're engaging with their consumers. And especially since you get the benefit over 200 year old company and their, you know, the strength and the commitment that's behind that, but you're like a little startup division within that. And you have some freedom that goes along with that. And I think that's a really powerful pairing. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the challenges that you're facing out there. You, you talked about supply chain and talking about how the P makes it. That has been mentioned recently as a challenge. What are you seeing as challenges out there for you? You know, supply chain, I can't stress enough how much of a challenge that is globally. Um, it's not only our company, it's just about every company. Challenges as the world has become more technologically advanced and connected, as people are used to a more on-demand world, the, the need for product becomes instant. People are no longer willing to wait long periods of time when they have a desire and they want to fulfill that desire. So as a marketer working with a, a physical product, I have to work with a team of people that's scoping things ahead of time and predicting and forecasting and then getting it through the chain to make sure that when someone picks up their phone and orders our, our food product at zembi.com that a day later, two days later, three days later, that's on their tabletop before they forget about that. And so the supply chain containers are hard to come by right now. Chips are backed up. In the UK, there's a, a very well-documented um, shortage of truck drivers. So I can get the product to the UK. I may not be able to get it out of the port into the warehouse there. So there's all these things that we have to think about that, you know, make it much more challenging to get our products out there. Luckily, we work with a lot of smart people that are thinking ahead and rearranging and moving things ahead. Um, some of my colleagues are thinking already into September, October, November, where are we going to move our products to make sure they're available? So there's a lot of health process that needs to be considered that I think a lot of the consumers just aren't aware of. I think most people aren't aware of. They just want their product when they want it. So my job as a marketer and as a part of this team is to come up with the solutions before they even become a problem for the consumer. Yeah, I think we as consumers have unfortunately become much more aware of the value and the importance of the supply chain operating well in our lives. Challenges when it doesn't because we we have, you know, experienced those personally, which like you said, normally everybody's uh, greasing the wheels behind the scenes, so to speak so that the end consumer is not seeing all the antics that are going on to get the product from the source to the end consumer. Well, what other challenges? Yeah, certainly are a lot. Do you like that word antics? Yeah, yeah. What other challenges are you having out there, Hugo? In the world that we live in today, there's a lot of product options. So being differentiated is very challenging. Um, this is why we find the storytelling approach to our brand work. So I can find 15 different products that are in the same category. I can find a hundred different products that are in the same category as what my products are. How do I stand apart? How do I make sure that people recognize my product above other products? It's an age old problem, but it's become so much more intensified with digital where people can instantly find and review and compare. 
and tied into that whole digital continuum that we're in that in the old days of marketing, we all learned the marketing funnel. You start off wide and capturing awareness all the way down to the point of in today's environment, we're continually in the process. It never stops because once a consumer buys your product, now they either become a supporter or a detractor. So I don't have an opportunity anymore to say, I sold, I can move on. Now I have to track that person who I sold to because they might say something bad about my brand or they might say something good and I want to celebrate that. Always continually on, always aware and conscientious of what's happening with how you're being perceived and you're doing micro adjustments all the time. So uh, what I'm hearing you say is kind of taking control of that out there in the marketplace about you as well. It's no longer, because everything is so digital, it's no longer where a person physically goes in and buys your product and physically leaves. And you might not ever hear any review, positive or negative, really. But now everything's online. I'm assuming you have a pretty good digital where people can go and order and then they're going to be talking about you and they can tag you. They and I would say it's not control. I would say we're actively involved involved in the conversation. The consumer is in control, but as a marketer, as a brand, I need to be part of that conversation. So in the past, like you said, I could walk away and I may never have seen that person. We don't have that option anymore. And frankly, I don't, I think I kind of like that we don't have that option. I like being in the lives of my consumers and being a part of their everyday, but that means I have to be very intentional and very um, open-minded and have my ears to the ground to hear what they're saying. And one of the things that we've done as a result of that is we've created a Council. We call it the Plant Council. We drew in five experts from different areas of, of industry as people that are not, but what their job is, is to tell us, to be in our ears and say, this is what we hear. This is what we're feeling. You got this right. You got this wrong. You need to learn. You need to adapt. And that's really powerful too, to have some kind of council that you're getting advice from that's outside. Everybody's not patting themselves on the back. They're at Zen B saying, you're doing a great job, doing a great yeah. job. They're, they might actually give you some real realistic feedback, positive and negative, because it sounds like you are doing a great job from hearing. I'm very excited to try some of your products and be a part of the brand. And I really like the approach. Like I said, I think your differentiator it is your storytelling and the whole approach you're taking to marketing, not having the, the product be first. That experience of the product is really leading the way. Before we end our time today, is there anything else you'd like to share with our future Foodcast audience? Do you think they might be interested in. I just think um, the audience should just remember that just because we've always done it one way doesn't mean we have to keep doing it that same way. I challenge uh, marketers, my colleagues out there to continually break the mold. One of the mantras or one of the guidelines that I have for my team here is don't ever bring me something that was on the shelf from last year as a new idea for this year or say, let's do this year's version of it. We're creative people. We live in a world that has so much stimulus, so much opportunity to be inspired. It's a great opportunity every day to come to the to the workplace and figure out what's new and how do I get people excited in a new way. I'm challenged my, my colleagues to just continually strive to push themselves to be open to come up with new ways, sharing exciting things. Thanks for those words of wisdom, Hugo. I think all of us in the food space can move forward just thinking in that way. Let's be creative. Let's see what, what comes next and what we can do to be innovative and make things even better in the food space. So thank you so much for being on the Future Foodcast today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 